your word Lord as you speak it to our hearts Lord we open our hearts in faith to receive what you have to say to us and we thank you for imparting your life to us through your holy word in Jesus name amen praise God (coughs) amen 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 well we're going to talk today about the bride is not making reservations the bride is not making reservations there's an old joke Joan Rivers tells what her girlfriend said what are you making for dinner reservations <laughs> it's a Jewish princess uh, response, I think. So, <laughs> but we do not make reservations or no reservations. Whatever you want to say, <clears throat> we do not make reservations. And, and what I'm speaking about there is, um, you know, yesterday I was talking to somebody, and they had received a miracle from God. Major blessing. Uh, Something that the last time this happened to that person, it took weeks to get resolved. God did it in one day. And so anybody who uh, knows me, I I try to get people to understand wisdom and the correct response to God in blessing. Because it's often in blessing that people lose it you got me they lose it when they don't have they lose it when they do have so you know you have to stay steady and stay in faith so uh, you know people who are close to me Shannon lived with me for a few years and she knows that when she got blessed I'd jack her up and ask her now, do you know how that happened do you really understand what's going on here so that <clears throat> See, it's it's the enemy keeps us so bound up in fear that when God does something, we we forget the whole process of paying attention to uh, how these things happen and understanding God and going to Him to give Him glory. You, you got me? Because what happens is when you are blessed with a material blessing, part of the glory of God comes on your life. We often receive the material. And leave the glory. We just walk out from under it. The glory is the understanding. See Jesus. Do you remember the lady that got healed. And she was going to sneak off. Because she she felt she was going to get a rebuke from him. For touching him. Being ceremonially unclean. And he stopped her to give to share the glory with her. The glory was the understanding. Your faith did this for you lady. Don't ever go and let your faith slip. Because something bad's going to happen to you. You need to understand how this works. And your faith did this. This wasn't an accident. It wasn't a one time thing. No angel came down and, and troubled the water. Your faith did this for you. And that's that's him sharing his glory with us. So we can't just grab the material and forget the glory. You got me? And so I told this person, I said, you know what you need to do? You need to come to church on time tomorrow. Because you're always late. Huh? I said you need to show God you appreciate what he's done for you. Do you realize he's cut the time uh, drastically? 
And this was time where he would not have been working. It would have been a financial loss. A whole tremendous thing would have occurred. And I said, don't go and do the same thing you've been doing. Show God you respect and love him. And be an example for others there in the in the congregation. Step up. Come on. Let's do the whole thing. No reservations. In other words, don't hold anything back from God that belongs to him. And so he's looking for a bride who don't make reservations. When God gives you the whole enchilada, you give it back to him. Belongs to him. Don't cut back on what we give to God. You got me? No reservations. And I believe that's going to be a key to receiving of the prophecy that he's given us for this year. Don't cheap out on him. I don't care what excuse comes in your mind. No reservations. What are you withholding from him and why are you doing it? And what are you going to do with it anyway if it belongs to him? Hello? You can't do anything with it. So in 2 Corinthians 11, I'll share a scripture with you. You know, you hear all these, you know, I was looking through the events magazine, and you know, conference on the remnant and the bride and the... Most of these people can't keep a natural marriage together. Do you understand what I'm saying? Come on now. You think being married to God is easier than being married to a natural man? It's got deathly quiet in here. I would have to go down on the floor and find somebody to talk to the carpet. So Saints is gone AWOL. And prick your ears up. You can hear this. The Bible says how can you say you love God. You even haven't even seen him. He's an invisible husband. An invisible one. Stay in your face all the time for stuff. God lives on the inside of you. He's even more demanding. And we don't even know it. <laughs> you know, I can hide stuff from my. I, you get in the back of my closet. I was so glad the last house I had when my husband was alive, we had separate closets. I said, Woo, this is God now. Sister can work today. I didn't have to worry about him snooping all up in there. If I catch him in the closet, what you doing in there? What you doing? In there? Come on out of there. So, so anyway, yeah. So, brothers, you know somebody, a human, you can get over on them. I'm just going to be real plain with you. So, God gives us humans so that we can have a trial run, so to speak. You know, a kind of a, a, a dress rehearsal. Of the real. See our real spouse is Christ. We are committed to him. Betrothed to him. We've made a commitment to him. To obey him. Ouch. They take that out to wedding vows now. The few marriages I've had to do. When they say. I said. Blah, blah, blah. You say that. Say that like I said. <laughs> 
They take that out of behind. I have to obey. No, you go obey somebody. Nobody goes through this life without having to show somebody respect. Huh? The women want the man to obey them, but they don't obey back. Come on now. Life ain't like that. You're best to get real. But God expects obedience out of us. For us not to obey him, he considers that major, major. He referred to Israel, they're, they're wandering and serving other gods as whoredom. You got me? So you're taking what belongs to God and giving it to another. Oh, I see it's going to be a long one. I got, I got more CDs than y'all got silence. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Alright, everybody say praise God. Get your spirit free so you can go on the ride. Because I thought this was pretty good. I see, you know, well, hey, let's let's just get on with it. We say we want to be the bride of Christ. We call ourselves the bride. You know, we want to be this and want to be that. But, you know, <laughs> can you live a life with no reservations? Huh? Can you live a life with no reservations? So I, I thought about, you know, sharing sharing with that brother and I said to myself, I said, Now Lord, that's just normal to expect. That's not hard. That's not it's harder to keep making excuses for not doing the right thing, I think, sometimes and just go do it. Amen. You know, you it's so there's so much ease and grace extended to you to obey God. It's hard to, you just frustrate the grace of God. It's hard to to work against, to kick against the pricks as he told Paul. But in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2, he says, Paul says this, I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. I had a neighbor that used to say that sometimes. If you had, if you had some new courage, she said, Woo, I'm godly jealous. He says, for I have espoused you to one husband. Amen. Just one. Amen. Yeah. Amen. These Christians that come up to you and tell you just go on and leave him. God's got something better for you. You show them this scripture please. Amen. Paul said, I've espoused you to one husband. In other words, he, he is the one that preached the gospel to them by which they were saved. Yeah. And in, in hearing your confession to Christ, he, that was a wedding ceremony to him. He said, I espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And that means without blemish. Without spot, wrinkle, and without reservations. Huh? Without reservations. The word chaste actually means pure and clean. It means sacred and blameless. It also means modest. Not boasting of anything. Not, not vaunting yourself up and being a big deal somewhere. That lets out a lot of church people right there. It means innocent and perfect. Chaste also, that word chasten is also in the root of it. So a chaste bride is a bride who has been chastened by God. 
The word chasten means to educate and discipline. It also means to instruct and it means punishment. I don't like no abusive. No. Oh boy, we ain't talking about that. We're talking about Paul says in Second Corinthians six. We can try turn there in verse nine. He talks about you know the work of an apostle and how his life is gone. And he says, as unknown yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed. You got me? So the chastening of God won't kill you. It will kill something off of you, which he can't use. It's to kill the flesh and discipline your spirit man to live. Hebrews 12.10 says whom he loves he chastens and scourges every son that he receives. Got me? His own son Jesus was chastened. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was given a name above every name. He did it to receive greater honor. As the bride of Christ and the head of the church. His name is above every name now. He received that by enduring the chastening of the Father. He was separated from the Father for the time that he was in the bowels of hell under the earth. Uh, when sin was laid on him and, and, and then the, the Lord removed it and empowered him and raised him up in resurrection power. So he had to suffer that separation from the Father just like we have. So he can be a great high priest to us. He earned that right by what he suffered. Amen. So the bride is to be disciplined and chastened to obey only God. We obey only the one to whom we are betrothed. So God's preparing a bride who loves him without reservations. And who will obey without faltering. Who will return the same love to him that he gives to her. We're to return in kind. Often we siphon off the best that God gives us. And return something less than what he has given to us. If he gives you unconditional love. He gives you a love that uh, knows no limits. No bounds. A love that changed you on the inside from a person who was craving uh, self-worth and and, uh, position for self and and all of those things. To now you can, can worship him without reservation lifting holy hands. He expects you in return to obey him and in that same measure return that same quality of love to him. To love others. As we have been loved. To forgive. To freely give. To live up to his expectations down here on earth in every way. But oftentimes, the love that he gives to us is not reciprocated in kind. And I'll give you an example. If God tells you 
that he is going to bless you with a home and he describes it to you tells you go out whatever you lay your eyes on I will bless you with that you receive that you go tell everybody God's blessing you with a house and all of that and you come back later and you start thinking what's it going to cost can I afford this can I do that can I do that I don't want that I want this instead you start manipulating and changing the love that he gave you see he gave it to you according to his word he says what things soever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them all you had to do was let it alone no reservations see what we did we took away from it and reserved some control for ourselves got it so that's where the reservation comes in in a person's human heart we always reserve some kind of withholding for ourselves like we the tax man Uh, we the IRS you got to judge what God told you to do because it don't seem right huh he tells you to go bless sister so and so with such and such well she don't look like she need my money so it's a reservation Uh it's a reservation so we always reserve the power of censorship if nothing else for ourselves we got to run it through our brain and try and see if that was really God or not according to our standards now we heard from him. He didn't heard from him before. We heard from him. We heard what he told us to do. But yet we reserve some control for ourselves. That's where we get into trouble. So <clears throat> what we do. What we then. Our obedience. God sees as an offering. See our obedience to his command. Our obedience to his instruction. He sees as an offering so really we are offering up to him where he gave us in love pure love of a pure heart no reservations on that love his agape love that's perfect in all his ways and we took that when we heard his voice and then manipulated and offered up something less to him and we just go about our merry way make excuses for it and we think nothing we think we're we're living by faith (laughs) I'm I'm shocked I didn't. <laughs> I'm shocked I'm not, you know, in the will of God or, you know, whatever we think. So when Paul talks about a chaste bride, he says, I'm, I'm presenting, you know, I'm keeping you. I'm, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. I don't want you to have any reservations about living this Christian life the way God told you to live it. I want you to have, I want you to hold back anything. I don't want you to be afraid of anything or give in to fear. Think God's shortchanging you and then don't manipulate your mind to think that God's not being fair with you. 
he's not dealing with you honestly he's not coming through fast enough for you I don't care what it is the devil's running through your mind don't reserve any kind of judgment on this love for yourself when we when we return less than what God has given to us we're stealing from that this is theft Hmm? when we give in a purposeful and deliberate way that kills the thief in us when you give in a purposeful and deliberate way that kills the thief because you've already purposed in your heart what you're supposed to do and what you owe to God and you don't let circumstances that come up in between divert you from doing the full obedience that you promised him you've got to be purposeful and see this kills the thief because your mind doesn't have a a chance to come in there and manipulate and twist and give you a good reason for returning to God less than what he gave you see he gave you full ability to obey his commandments he gave you the fullness of his son your sins are 100% paid for nothing nothing held back from you whatsoever so he's given us 100% the bible even says how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation see so much has been done for us be purposeful and deliberate don't always have something come up that looks like a good reason for not you got me to be purposeful and deliberate because I'm I'm telling you there are many people who are frustrated in the results that their faith brings and this is probably why they just see no they have no conscience developed yet about withholding from God or taking his best and then delivering less than your best you got me oftentimes we give more to our natural bosses than we give to him God knows it's going to be easier to obey somebody with skin on because we fear them well if it hurts it hurts you know what I'm saying but this is just the truth this is where we live and if we're expecting great things from God we've got to understand that we have the ability to obey him period he has given us that ability and we need to live in that ability so that when God calls upon us to step into that role of fulfilling what he's called us to do then we are fully equipped we are fully capable the enemy can't come in and steal ministry from us can't steal loved ones from us can't steal marriage from us can't steal jobs from us because we're fully capable then because we know the routine he's given me this I give back in kind he's done this for me I give back in kind he's done that for me I give back in kind always mindful where the where the start was so John 4 1 John 4 in the uh, epistle of John first one see this will make you grow up and quit whining about everything you know I mean it, it just it's just be it just be pure as he's pure first John 4 <clears throat> 
In verse 19. No, verse 18. 17. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in the world. So Jesus always returned in kind. He didn't steal some of what the father gave him for himself. And reserve something for him. He says because as he is so are we in the world. There is no fear in love. In other words God's delivered to you. A love that is fearless. It's determined. It's not wavering. It's not needing of anything else. You see. One of the conflicts I always had with my late husband was that he would tell me sometimes. Will you act like you don't need me anymore. And I wanted to say the the sad thing is I thought I needed you before. Because that was a great deception. Not that I didn't love him. But I was complete in Christ. Did not needing of anything. You got me? We're not needy anymore. So that when people come into our lives they can add to an other already fulfilled life. And not enable you to stay crippled. So he says perfect love casts out fear. When you've received the love of God. That has allowed you now to become fearless. If you'll abide in that love. You know what that means? You're not afraid to humble yourself to somebody. And embrace them and give to them. And invite them into your life. And bless them the way God tells you to bless them. And feel good about it. And not feel ripped off. Perfect love casts out fear. So if you're feeling ripped off, it's because you've got reservations in there. You've stolen some of God's and now you're trying to work out of your own weak stuff. See, you've received totally what God has for you. Anybody that's born again. And if it goes sour on you, you know how to build yourself up in the Holy Ghost. You pray in the Holy Ghost. You meditate on his word. You get yourself built back up again. And you don't need to reserve something for yourself. No there's so much fear in the world today. It's pathetic. People afraid to get married. A simple commitment that we used to see as something that helped our lives and added to our lives. You know, people were so <clears throat> marriage minded. You know, back in the in the old days when the when pioneers were settling this country, you would order a bride from somebody that that you respected because it was so necessary for you to have a helper in your life. But now people want to live alone. Don't want to share. Don't even want to share a, a morsel of food with people. Everybody's got a happy meal and a, and a, a white bag sitting up in the front seat of a car. And we think that's normal. 
Listen, when Jesus had people over for dinner, he could whoop up a meal out in the desert, honey. But what did he do? Had them sit down in families. You read that in the Bible. It's very important. He said, you sit with your family. You sit with your, This ain't no free for all. This ain't no drive through. This ain't no uh, put the foot in the gas while you're drinking the milkshake and have crumbs all over yourself when you. This ain't that. I know y'all hungry and you're in a hurry, but sit down with your wife and your kids and make like you killed that and brought it in, Daddy. Got me? I like the fact he made the apostles. I'm apostle so and so. Well, I'm apostle so and so. Well, you not apostle so and so. You, I'm apostle so and so. He made all them apostles serve everybody. Good to keep your hands in a little humble service. He loved us first. Verse 19. That's the only way we can love him. It says we love him because he first loved us. He gave us the love to love him back with. So when you're loving God you're only making a proper use of what he's already given you. He didn't give you love, his love on the inside of you. You couldn't do anything. You wouldn't even feel like getting up out the bed. You'd be too depressed about what happened to you yesterday. We love him because he first loved us. So we're not really giving him anything that he has not already first bestowed upon us. It says if any man say I love God and hates his brother he's a liar. See, this is where we get into the reservations don't we? Certain people we can't be around. Certain people we don't like. Well, they, you know, they don't know how to talk to people. You hear that a lot around church people. They don't know how to do this. Well, if you know so much, why don't you teach everybody? Teach by example. Huh? If you've got so much good goodness in you and you can do so much better than they can, then do it. But I'd say backbiting is not the way to get it done. I'd say gossiping is not the way to get it done. See that's reservations. You're taking the love of God. And because you're offended by something somebody says. You withhold it. And reserve it. And refuse to give it out. And I'm telling you we have no right to do that. Never been licensed by God. To hold on to what he has freely given us. I remember when I was before my husband uh, was saved and I would you know have problems and there was a a woman that I knew in in, uh, Cleveland she had a she and her husband had uh, um, her husband was a very wealthy man and he had gotten saved uh, because she would prayed for him 
and that was their testimony they would talk and you know <clears throat> she would had she had a call-in program and I had met her uh, once she had come to a, a group that I was at and spoken at our group and so I kind of knew her personally as well and I was talking with her one time and I was telling her some complaints I had this is after he has freely loved me I mean now I got complaints right we all got them folks so don't don't look high and mighty you got them too we gonna get rid of them today though and so every everything I would tell her my husband wasn't doing she said oh you don't need that you don't need that from him you don't need that from him you don't need that from him so I got tired of complaining to her and then one day I decided I agreed with her I don't need that from him. (laughs) Why? Because that was freely, I had been freely loved. See, if you can sit back and reflect on all that he has given you and then decide you're obligated to give it out. Because the other thing you should know about the love of God, it's too much for one person. There's an overflow in it. So while you're trying to reserve it and not give it out freely, well, see, what will happen to you is you keep trying to withhold God from reaching out through you to love somebody. Because that's really what's happening. You're not giving anything. You try to hold back on what God wants you to do. And see if you won't break, crack, cry, repent. Get yourself straight, straighten out and straighten up. So he's looking for a bride who has no reservations, folks. He wants to present us without spot or wrinkle. Reservations make wrinkles. When you don't want to give out, pretty good, huh? <laughs> what are you making for dinner? Reservations. <laughs> he wants us to be purposeful and deliberate in our giving we don't have to be emotional and gushy and make a big deal out of it but be purposeful and deliberate without excuses God's law is designed to kill the thief in us that wants to reserve part of what he's given us as though it belongs to us and it does not it is his love that's freely given to us to be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit and when he knows he has a bride who can freely give then his heart is turned more toward us People are talking about when is the Lord coming. When his bride has no reservations. He doesn't want us with spots and wrinkles. He doesn't want us withholding from anybody. The church or the world. He wants us to give freely of what we have freely received from him. So since he loved us first. He's made a deposit of himself in us. And we are in turn commanded to give this love to others as proof of our love for him. We're to prove out 
the acceptable and the good and the perfect will of God. We're to prove that on a daily basis. We are to love one another. Because love is the fulfillment of the law. I am obligated to love you and you are obligated to love me. But we are not obligated to check up on one another and judge one another in it. Just take care of your end of it. Now let me take care of my end. Now if you think I'm falling short... You can pray and you can talk to God about it. But I guarantee you he'll tell you to mind your own business. And just make sure you don't get let that become a problem for you. See when it becomes a problem. Then that's when you run into trouble with him. So we're not to judge one another in these things. But we're to focus on whether or not we're fulfilling the law. Amen. That is a covenant between you and God. So he's looking for a bride who is not stealing. Who's not a thief. She won't siphon off his love and enjoy the proceeds and give less than others. Less to others. See. When it's commanded that you give. He wants you to give freely. So he wants us to give a love that has no reservations. And then he's pleased. Oftentimes we give God the leftovers or another kind of love that has conditions, reservations, and strings attached. God wants what's pure. No conditions, no reservations, no strings. One of the the things that Jesus has warned us, told us, and helps us to expect is that this life will not be an easy road for us when you obey God you will be persecuted for it and in the world you will have trouble or tribulation so we're we're told to expect a certain amount of trouble that comes from the world it's just normal an easy road and no problems is not normal you got me yet we still expect it don't we and when trouble comes we're shocked upset amazed when we've already been prepped for it and so he tells us to not be upset by trouble but to do what instead to be of good cheer why not because you're stupid and not because you're you're insane because only an insane person could laugh in this situation but he says to be of good cheer that means to have his essence and his hope and his on the inside of you it doesn't mean to be going around laughing at everything but it just means to understand that there is good coming to you because he's overcome whatever it is it may stay in your life for a while but he says a good cheer that means to cheer up on the inside there's some hope welling up on the inside this is going to pass and you know that on the inside you're not going to be here forever why because he's overcome the world for us his love for us is that great that he can promise you victory over everything that comes your way 
But there's a way to get through it in his love that sometimes we don't know how to experience because we refuse to obey him and be of good cheer. The sooner you can be of good cheer, the sooner you will see your overcoming come to you. Joy is part of the overcomer's fruit, folks. I don't care what you say. I can tell you right now that every situation that I've been in that has been trouble or tragic, I could sense a joy inside of me come when that came to me. You got me? And what happens is that most Christians have it too, but they stifle it with what they think is appropriate way to respond in these situations. I'm not saying things won't hit you. I'm not saying you may not have your times when when they'll be more real to you than others. But I'm telling you that that good cheer is down on the inside of you. Whereas James says you can count it all joy. It will add up to joy. Because there's joy at the end of it. The longer you hold on to ill feeling, depression, discouragement, whatever it is, the harder it is for you to release that into joy because now you expect it it's kind of become your companion you know the bad feeling has become your companion i know when when we had uh, my husband's funeral and i was i was uh there and i had to go to the bathroom and and uh so i was in the ladies room and <laughs> one of the ushers came in there and he was all nervous about the time you know, they're all nervous about the time because they want you in and out, you know. And my my uh, husband was grew, went to school with the, the people, that the funeral people, you know, went to school with the son who is now the manager and owner. And the, the thought came to me, what are you saying? You no more business, you know. I, mean, you know, <laughs> I know, it's a bad joke. But anyway, he he said to me, he said, somebody told me that the the minister for the service is late. And I looked at him, I said, man, there's so many preachers in there. Are you kidding me? That's the least of my worries. And I <laughs> went right back in. And that was my feeling. I'm thinking to myself, we ain't short on preachers and I know it. Because everybody sitting there was reverend somebody. And so there is, though, a, a hope for better in us already. And we can pull it out because it's reserved for us to minister to us, even in our darkest hour, our, our shadow of death and valley of the shadow of death type hours in life, that we can know that we can be of good cheer, that this good coming, be cheerful in the good that's on its way because he's already overcome this for you. And if you stay in him and ride it out with him, don't let go of holding on to him. See, I think what prolongs difficulty for us sometimes is that we we divorce ourselves from God. We divorce ourselves from God's people. We get angry because life seems to be going on everywhere around us and we don't seem to be a part of it. You know what I'm saying? And, and those times will happen. But God will connect us into his life 
and heal us and repair us and then anything that's that's missing and that's not right he adjusts that and he corrects it you know he says these things are common to man you know we may not seem that no see and that's not a way to minimize what's happening to you but you've got to keep it in its proper focus this has happened to somebody else before this is i'm not being singled out uh, for some special punishment or some special something this is common to man and and so we have to understand that that we'll get through it god will get us through it we can be of good cheer you can have opportunities to um to rejoice you can have opportunities to dance to to do whatever it is that your heart's telling you is in your heart to do without seeming disrespectful or seeming out of order this is something that you go through between you and the lord and he knows exactly what you need he knows you inside and out and it's not going to take you under it's not going to be there forever it'll come back again i i can remember when I when I had lost my husband, I kept thinking. I said, and I said, Lord, you know, I can see myself getting through this. I said, if I could just live like I'm through already, then I'll be fine. And I don't know when it happened there, but there a day came when I was through it. You understand? It came when I was through it. And so if you don't try to prolong these things or you don't think that's, you know, just let God have the whole thing. Let his love carry you through these situations. You can be of good cheer. You know, it may have its moments where it dissipates, but you can grab it back again because God has it reserved for you there. So, in Job chapter 1 though, I thought I would start that and uh, see how far we can get today. Because I look at Job as somebody who loved God. He's so typical of, of us from time to time and how we live. The Bible says he loved God and he hated evil. And that's that's just the way it is. That's that's Christians, you know. We have uh, those of us who are converted. We love God and we hate evil. Some some of us live in it more consistently than others, but but the the hatred for the things of darkness is there. You know, it's we don't love darkness anymore, but we love the light. And so when we're we're that way, we're connected to God. God put that there for that for us. So that's His love dwelling in us. Verse 1 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. He was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed or hated evil. And there were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He was wealthy. His substance was 7,000 sheep. You know, he pretty much had it all. He was blessed on every side. And verse 4 His sons went and feasted in their houses everyone his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them and it says it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about or finished that job sent and sanctified them rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all for job said it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed god in their hearts this he did continually so even though this may look like good parenting it's not it's not 
what what Job is missing here is what's in his heart. What's in a person's heart that they would assume that their children don't love God the way they do. And why would they assume that? And so you have to look at what Job is really doing here to get an understanding of how he's missed it in God. He's not an evil person. He's not a wicked person. He's not a bad parent. He's not anything that we can't put a label on. Labels are too easy. Labels come from the world. God sees Job the way he described him. A perfect and just and upright. He loved God. He hated evil. But there was something a little withholding. He's got some reservations there. He's got reservations between God and his children. Got me? See, if a person is going to be forgiven by God, they must confess their own sins. There's no such covenant where a parent can cover sins for adult children. Now you might say why didn't they do it? It may be that Job didn't demand it of them. You got me? The Bible says if you train up a child in the way they should go. When they are old they won't depart from it. The other part of it. Is that Job is guilty of a couple of errors. He's withholding the wisdom that God has given him. And not blessing his children with it. Because if God, Job knew to go to God with his sins. His children should know. Got me? Adam had sons Cain and Abel. Then later Seth. But in Cain and Abel. He taught them both the proper sacrifice because one of them picked it up and the other one didn't. So they were taught but they didn't follow through. If they're taught and don't follow through that compels us in the love of God to understand that God is still holding them accountable to follow through. There's no excuse for not following through. God doesn't make exceptions because you're a priest Job and you receive sacrifices at the altar for other people and allow them to atone for their sins but you think there's something special about your offspring that you don't have to demand the same thing. See Job knew better. He knew other people had to come and make the appropriate sacrifice. If his kids had their own cows, they ought to bring their cow to the altar and get their sins forgiven by God. What could be simpler? If you're a Christian parent, you catch your child lying, you tell them that's wrong. You better get down here and let's repent and tell God you're sorry. Until they get trained and get in the habit of doing that and coming before the altar of God themselves. To present themselves before God. We pray for them to have a good education, to have good jobs for everything except salvation. Come to church and serve him like you're supposed to. 
You see what I'm saying? I know sometimes when you teach them and take them and then they get too old to come, you still need to be expecting that they will serve God. You don't stop. You don't reserve that love that God's given you and not bless them with it. Parents want to give their kids everything in the natural. Well, when I was when we first got married, we had to struggle. What's wrong with your children starting the same way? You got me? We had a little starter home. I don't want my kids to have that. Did God bless you with it? Did he teach you how to take care of it? Did he teach you how to change the the uh, you know light bulbs and <laughs> take the garbage out? Did he, was it harmful for you that you learned that at the hand of God? Matthew Barnett, Tommy Barnett's son, was knew that he was called to the ministry, but he just didn't know what type of ministry. And he said he always thought it would be there in Phoenix, where his dad's church is. The easy transition, just when dad's too old, the church is mine. You know, like like many of them do. There's nothing wrong with that if that's what God has for you. Well, but if you're reserving that for your child, hmm, you got reservations. My child won't have to do what I had to do to You got me? It, it'll be easier for them. I hear them say it all the time, especially the ones that's got a lot of money. My kids won't have to struggle like we had to struggle. But you found God. And he taught you faith. And you got blessed. And he brought you to the... Whatever your child's portion is, you need to get in agreement with God for that portion for them. And stay in agreement with God for that portion. Because that's where the good result is. Matthew Barnett said they were talking about uh, having a, a ministry in Los Angeles. And things started to fall in line for the Dream Center to come about. You know, they had a building and people, you know, all these things coming together. Problem was they couldn't decide who was going to be the pastor. And he said they had prayed about several people that seemed like, you know, the perfect ones for the job. Matthew was only 19 at the time. And he prayed about it. He kept thinking. He said, I think I'm supposed to do that. I think I'm supposed, yeah, but the, you're, this is reserved. We've already got, we've reserved this spot in this church here. It's already built church, huge church, worldwide reputation. This is already, res- you're the heir. You're your dad's son. This is reserved for you. So we went to L.A. Everybody couldn't think of anybody else, so they let him have it. He got there and it was that worn out hospital. He said when he took off to L.A., he thought it was going to be so easy. He said, I'd seen my dad do this all my life. He said, I picked a team of people from the church to go with me and help me. And within a month, they were all talking about me and wanting to quit and go back home. And they all quit and went back home and left him by himself in that big dilapidated hospital in L.A. And he said, I cried many 
nights I cried myself to sleep slept on a little cot in one of the wards there and he said in that time God began to show me my ministry showed him what belonged to him no reservations See, I don't have to take second hand from my father what he reserved for me. With all the best intentions in the world. But nobody had ever really prayed it through. And understood that the great love that God had bestowed on his dad to begin a ministry from scratch. He would bestow on the son in greater measure. If he hadn't prayed and he hadn't stayed, most of the street people from L.A. that have come through that dream center and got dignity and got salvation and got purpose. The testimonies are, are, are volumes. I mean, and these are people that wouldn't even be allowed in the church in Phoenix. I mean, if they came in, most people would run out because they chase you know people out some of them have drug devils on them and the reality of a street life and prostitution and and just all kinds of horrible ways that they felt they've had to live but God because this young man was willing to pray and not receive what was reserved from him by daddy doing what daddies and moms do but see what's happened is dad and mom have received of the pure love of God. But they haven't given it purely to the kid. It happens a lot. People do it with good intentions. They're not trying to. You're not trying to keep God from disciplining your children. But in a way it does happen. You know it does happen. You just want to protect them. But you don't understand you're protecting them from the discipline of God. They need to be chastened by God. They need to go through that. That that you know they'll rebel and say, "I don't want to go to church anymore," and "I don't like God anymore." No, no, no. You're gonna have to ride it out with God and say, "Nope, this won't do." God, you told me that they were gonna serve you and they're gonna worship you, and I'm not settling for anything less. Got me? And just have them present themselves before God. Live live free before God. Get what God has for them in their lifetime. That kind of stuff. And so <clears throat> if if we don't withhold and don't modify, have reservations and what God wants to do for us, then we'll be able to just see that growth come through the pure love of God. You know, it's a good thing to be able to observe. So when when Satan came by to tempt Job, and he said this in verse 10, Haven't you made a hedge around him and around his house and all that he has on every side? And you bless the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land? And Satan says put forth your hand now and touch all that he has and he'll curse you. And the Lord said no I'm going to give it to your hand. You got me? God does not tempt us with evil. It's not God's will. But he can turn us over to Satan. But there's a limit to what he's able to do. See the chastening comes from the work of the enemy in our lives. To test us. To see if we'll continue to believe God. That's all it is. 
Whatever comes into your life that's not pleasant is there to see if you're going to continue to serve God or if you're going to let go and say God's not coming through for me so I'm not going to go to church. God's not coming through for me so I'm not going to give anymore. God's not coming through for me. And we do it. You know we think we know something about somebody and and don't give you got me you know people do that all the time and so when when those things come up it's because the enemy is got us before God and says if they don't get this and if they don't get that if they're not blessed in some way by you they're going to turn on you Mm -hmm. but there was ground in Job's life this is never done randomly without ground. We've got lots of ground for the enemy to work on. You got me? All the time. It's just the mercy of God that withholds his hand. How many of you have ever had fear? And thought it was okay. And you felt sorry for yourself. And, and well see I can't do that because I'm scared. I know God said I should do that. But I can't do that because I'm scared. Or certain things God has told us to do. And we know especially in giving. That's a common thing in giving. Well I've got bills to pay. And I I just don't know if I can trust God to that level. And we think we get a pass. You got me? And so these are common things that happen folks. Don't think God's up there letting the devil just beat you up for no reason. We've all got fear to deal with. And the sooner we can get the fear dealt with and overcome it, the more peaceful our life will be. You got me? But when trials come up, they're not just, you know, you just didn't get randomly pulled for no reason. There's ground. And when you come out of it, whatever it is that kept you, that allowed you to get in it, will be dealt with. Trust me. You'll be totally free of that devil once you get through that thing. And so many times, and in, in, in I can't tell parents enough with children how important it is to trust God with your children. Have a vision, a plan, know what God's called them to do, and just stick with it and expect God to come through on his end. Don't ever diminish what God wants to do with your offspring. And don't ever pump it up above what God has. Just stay with what God has for them. And be faithful in your prayer. In your expectation. And in your teaching and training them the right way to go. And and this is what Job failed to do. And so God, God called him on it. But you'll see in the end Job was delivered out of all of that. Job there's a totally different Job at the end of this book than there is at the beginning. At the beginning you see a man who's fearful over the future of his children. He doesn't want to teach them. You see now they're all grown now. They're all out of the chute. How can I gather them back? In? Well you can do it. There's a way in God. There's a wisdom in God. He just never sought it. And see that's the other thing. When you come to the end of your knowledge and your wisdom. Are you willing to humble yourself and seek God for further knowledge of how to accomplish these things and not let them slip because you just don't understand how that's going to happen at this point in your life. There's always a way in God. I don't care if they get to be 60 and 70. 
your your authority and your prayer as a parent at the throne of God will work for your children. You're an intercessor. And that's exactly what, what Job was. So God had placed a hedge over over Job's family, his possessions. He had done it in love. But Job did not see it. See, even the devil was smarter. The devil sees the hedge, but Job doesn't. You got me? Do you see that? The devil says you placed a hedge around him and everything that he has. I can't get through to it. Job thought his works was putting a hedge there. He thought his continual offerings for those kids was doing that. And God did it anyway. Because he loved them. God was showing him mercy, giving him time to teach his children. Job, why don't you get wise up and teach your kids how to bring their own sacrifices? I won't bite them. I'm not going to kill them. I love your children. I gave them to you. You can trust me with them. So Job refused to give the same love that God had shown him to his own children. By teaching them God's word. Expecting them to obey the word of God. That's how you love them. So he gave Job received the cream of life. And gave God the skim milk so to speak he skimmed the cream off of life see and as long as he was making sacrifices he thought he was okay with God big mistake don't ever put your works out there as the reason God's pleased with you got me I've seen people who will give and give and give till it hurts but their hearts are far from God because when trouble comes they're mad at God because they had their share of tribulation like everybody and they thought that was that was a false hedge around their lives. See? You can't protect something that God gave you through grace, through works. You can't do it. It's a a, a misunderstanding about who God is. Remember the the three people with the three different kinds of talents? The guy that buried it and hid it from God? He said, I knew you were a, ba- a, a taskmaster. And you, you, in other words, he called God a thief. He said, you, you reap where you don't sow. And he said, well, if you knew that about me, you should have put my money to work for me. Even if your inclination about God is he's a bad God and a mean God. If you give him respect as that, he'll bless your life. Until he can bring you into a better understanding of who he is. So, Job is really misrepresenting God in a way. He's given the children the impression that they can disobey God and daddy will fix it for them. You don't have to go to him yourself. It's too hard to work your own way through. It's too hard. So in verse 11 what he says put forth your hand now and touch. That means that the devil wants to see God chasing us. You ever have them kids in, in the house that always want to get the other little kids in trouble. Always setting them up. That's the way he is. <laughs> He's a bratty kid. And God says no I'm not going to do it. You do it. And he puts a limit on what the enemy can do. There's always a limit to what the enemy can do. Always. I tell you this much. He can't take you to hell. That's for sure. He cannot take you to hell. Once you have a covenant with God. 
So when we are being chastened, we're being chastened and disciplined back into love. To walk in love, to understand God's love. We're not being disciplined, so, you know, in God's wrath. He's not mad at us, not punishing us. But some people don't know the difference. They don't understand when when they do things wrong and the parent disciplines them. That the parent's trying to teach them right from wrong. They just see it as bad. You got me? And so it's good at parents when kids get old enough to understand they can explain these things to them. A little explanation, a little wisdom helps a lot. So love really humbles itself to God and doesn't seek it its own way. This is what Job didn't do. He's so used to taking everybody's sacrifices and offerings. He just put some in there for his kids. And he didn't believe the best about his children. He's thinking, oh, some of it, some of them did wrong. I know, you know. And he's thinking God's gonna get the kids, and God had a hedge around the children all along. A lot of times, the devil can see more than we can. It's sad, but he can. We'd know it if we'd ask God. You know, what about my kids, God? I'm concerned about them. They're not living right. They're not doing right. Which, what? Can I pray? Can I what? <laughs> you know. What what do I do to preserve their lives? Job loved God and he hated evil but he still had this fear outstanding. Never dealt with. Never dealt with his own feelings that there wasn't a hedge around his child. It was there and he didn't know it. You see. He thought he was building it by his works. And he wasn't. Big mistake. You gotta know that works don't cut it. That love of the love of God that was bestowed upon Job's life was given freely. All Job had to do was receive it by faith and enjoy it. And respect God and stay humble to God. Many times fear manifests itself in a withholding. We don't want to step out. And do this. We don't want to step out and do that. We don't want to step out and pray for different things to come into our life. We don't want to step out and expect different things. Because we have fear. And so we have to learn how to accept the love of God without reservations. You can't bite some of it off because you don't want to receive or or receive the benefit of it or the fruit that comes from it. Many times, you know, uh, some ideas when they first come to you will cause fear. Will shake you up on the inside. Everybody's got one biggie in their life. They have one thing, the hurdle they don't want to cross. And so most of us have more than one, if we're honest about it. And so we don't want to pray for certain things because we can't see ourselves in that position. And God knows it. But he still has ordained it for your life. It's still on the schedule to come into your life. So reserving the, the, the ability to censor God's vision for your life is wrong. The true bride trusts him. Like Job said, though he slay me yet will I trust him. He didn't say that at the beginning. He said that 
after the chastening had come into his life. You got me? So he's a different Job after this whole process is over. God helps us to conform and obey him. He helps us with that. It can be a little difficult at times. Certain things we don't want to do. Certain things we're expected. But if you learn how to let go of the reservations it's easier for you. Whenever fear crops up in your mind and in your heart you deal with it as such. And God this is fear again. Why am I scared? I know why I'm scared but you know <laughs> help me. That's what you want. You want to be delivered from it. And then perfect love will come in and deliver you from the fear. You'll find that there's more love bestowed upon you. Every time you you have reservations and put some aside don't want to obey God he gives you more love. The Bible says that he giveth more grace. You think you've worn him out. You think you've gotten to the bottom of what God has for you. But you haven't even scratched the surface yet. Because there's more yet to him that we need to experience. And Job came to find that out. He allowed himself to be persecuted by his so-called friends. For like 35 chapters. Huh? The back and forth conversation. And it was all about works. And nothing to do with God and what God had promised Job. It was stuff they've observed in life without the benefit of God telling them what was going on. And they just were reciting it back and forth. Well, you know, I knew a guy that was sick like you were. And they found out he'd murdered three people over in another county. And he got, he got two families living a double life and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, it's what you deserve if you sit up and listen to people. See? And so Job was <coughs> lifted off of his bed of affliction eventually by the same love that God had bestowed on him that he had reservations about. You see the same the same ability in God that seemed to get you in trouble has to come in a greater measure to get you out. The same God blessing you the same way doing the same thing over and over and over again is what you, what will deliver you from the power of darkness. And so Job lies there. Everybody accuses him. You know sometimes people who have been ministers and so forth subject themselves to that. I guess if that makes you feel better go for it but it won't deliver you. You need a conversation with God to deliver you. And that's what was missing in Job's life at that point. So how much time we got Miss Wanna? Five minutes? We'll have to finish this up um, sometime maybe tomorrow. But <clears throat> in, in God's deliverance of Job maybe I can, can go in on that. God, God moves sovereignly folks to deliver us. Many times he will use people. He will use people to pray for us. He'll use people to minister to us. And and don't discount the prayers of others. Don't discount the prayers of the saints who can touch God on your behalf. Because everybody will need that in some fashion. But God finally shows up on the scene with Job in chapter 38. 
And God begins to rebuke Job for his misunderstanding and his misspeaking. And this is what people think is is so wrong. Well Job you're sick. Job you've suffered all these great losses. Job you've lost almost all of your family. Lost all your children. You've lost property. Lost You need to be treated with kid gloves. You got me? That's where the human soul can mess up a good deliverance from God. Too many humans speaking in your life when you need only God will keep you on that bed. And I think Job laid on that bed as long as he did missing God's best for himself because he allowed himself to open up to people. There are some things only God can do for you. There are some things only you, you forget people. Because people will keep you confused. They'll keep you especially if they're not carrying your deliverance. Now there are people who have your deliverance. And God will use them. But they may not be the ones that come to you right away. You got me? Because you have to set that up by God. You have to allow yourself to say God whatever it is that we need to deal with. Let's get it dealt with because I'm done with being down here. I'm sick of being down here. Sometimes people aren't tired of being tired yet. They just want to go a few more ropes on the ropes a little bit more. With the detractors. With the accusers. Sometimes people get around people who can beat them up because they feel they deserve it. You got me? Or they'll get around people that that they want just to tell them nice things because they don't want to hear anything negative. You cannot dictate your own deliverance. God's the only one who can deliver you. And he sets the date, the time, the terms, the meeting place. What needs to be said, how it needs to be said to you. He sets all of those things up on his own accord. And I'm telling you, he's got better things for you. He's got glorious things for you. He's got restoration for you. He's got healing for you. He's got deliverance for you. He's got peace for you. He's got prosperity. He's got all those things for you. But he has to put you in a place where you can receive of his love again. To repair what's broken. To get yourself whole. To get yourself solid. So you can get up like he told Job. He said get up and put some clothes on man array yourself like a man God's called you to rule and reign but if you're hurt and wounded you can't do no ruling and reigning so he has to get you to the place where he can stand you up and position you again right back where you were because that's all God sees for you is total restoration he doesn't see total brokenness he doesn't see brokenness forever he doesn't see one heartbreak after another he doesn't see that for any of us he sees totally restored everything intact nothing missing nothing broken and in interest for the time that you were without you got me he can do it you know sometimes you think well I've lost too much yeah I don't see how he I don't care that's a good thing it's a good thing you can't see it because you can't mess it up 
And you can't dodge it when it comes to you. It will just come and settle in your life and you'll be in another place because of what God's done for you. So we'll finish up. um, We might finish tomorrow. I'm not sure. So, Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for understanding, for giving us the ability to understand and appreciate this great covenant that we have that we can be a bride without reservations we don't have to be afraid of anybody we don't have to be afraid of you we don't have to be afraid of loving you and others that we can do exactly what you told us to do without fear with boldness and confidence in this life we can rule and reign with Christ Jesus in all things and we thank you for it Lord in Jesus name amen praise God amen amen if you need